to episode 213 of the Customer Support Leaders podcast. I'm Charlotte Ward. The theme for this week is knowledge management, so stay tuned for five leaders talking about that very topic. I'd like to welcome back to the podcast today, Simone Secchi. Simone, it's been a little while since you joined me, but um, welcome back. Always a pleasure to talk to you and show over the support card. Um, Hello. And uh, this week we're going to be talking about knowledge management. So um, I I just want to hear all about the journey you've been on uh, with regards to getting a knowledge base off the ground again at Doodle and... uh, and the challenges that you faced and the benefits that you've seen from that whole journey. Absolutely. So first of all, uh, thank you for having me again. Uh, always a pleasure. And um, yeah, so let's start from the beginning. So when I started uh, my role as um, head of support at Dudo, we had, um, besides uh, the task of rebuilding the team, we had the task of like building the, the knowledge base. Um, which I had seen as one of the main, um, you know, tasks that, that we, the one of the most difficult ones, but mm. um, also because of, of the fact that this uh, was taken um, into account as a, uh, as an, an enterprise, as a task to, uh, to undertake a few years before I was hired, but there was sort of like, um, the, let's say the upkeep and the maintenance of it, uh, shown to be proved to be like too uh, too much of a burden for mm. the, the non-support team that started that project. So that that oh. project was started by product managers and designers, and then they they soon understood that, that you know the what uh, it's needed for the maintenance and the upkeep and the success of of a knowledge, of a knowledge base is beyond uh, just a side project is. A, a full-time uh, position. Yeah, yeah, and, and we know there. And we know there are organisations out there that have full knowledge management teams. But I think, yeah. in my experience, if you don't have a full knowledge team, mm-hmm. then the best the best place for it is otherwise support, isn't it? Because they're constantly referring to these documents, constantly using them, constantly validating them. Absolutely. So. There, there are two main arguments that I will make for a good uh, knowledge base and the knowledge base manager as a role. So the first one is it's a great uh, position as in career growth and support. So for an agent starting at the entry level, um, some people might have, for example, like a background in literature or or anything um, you know related to um, journalism or, or, or something of that of that mm-hmm. sort and uh, it might be a good like uh, marriage of like their academic um, background and their support experience to transition into into being a knowledge-based manager um, so that's number one uh, and then obviously one thing to notice is and, I, and I'm going to quote some numbers like related to Doodle for example we have 140,000 views of the knowledge base uh, every month on average. So one thing, if we think it just, you know, from the business perspective, um, many probably have done an exercise in calculating what is the cost of a single ticket or 
mm-hmm. an exchange or a call or whatever, you know, depending on, on the support system that, you know, mm-hmm. company is adopting. Um, if you, you know, multiply that by, let's say, a quarter of those views, then you're, you're in front of you, you have an enormous amount of work and an enormous team needed to support even like, like I said, 25% of mm-hmm. those views. Yeah. And so that's when like the, the concept of deflection really com- comes in uh, and optimization of costs, uh, which are, you know, two fundaments of the idea of, of a good knowledge base just to start. Um, not to mention, like, you know, um, we know this by building, rebuilding this knowledge base, um, making it updated, um, you know, uh, acquiring all, all this this uh, uh, attention from our user base. That, number one, we had last tickets. I think we went from, you know, having an average uh, of b- between like 3,500 to, to 5,000 that we had and 5,000 mm-hmm. the, the highest months to probably like about 1,000, 1,500 less. Wow. wow. Um, yeah. In the range of like a couple of years. I mean, it's not like an immediate process, but it, it does but happen. That's, a, that's the third of your workload. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and then additionally, um we became uh we we started a more collaborative effort with other teams because they started to acknowledge the importance of this uh and this you know this contribution from the support team in the sense of the knowledge base was something that didn't exist before and we created this synergy from like out of thin air Uh, but the benefits were so apparent that the collaboration with the marketing team, the collaboration with the product team mm. became a reality. So was there a point at which, so, so from what I'm hearing, you you built a certain momentum once you'd got mm-hmm. to a point of having a, a reasonable to good quality, up-to-date knowledge base, and you'd proven value just from the point of view of the support team and mm-hmm. to customers, like in terms of, those views that you were getting and that ticket reduction that you were getting. Mm-hmm. Was, was there a point that it tipped into, were there aha moments, if you like, with other teams? Did did you get people approaching you saying, ah, oh, we see now that we're that the knowledge base is doing this and we're able to do this because of it? Were, were those kind of conversations you were having? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, especially with people that, that you know, that, that just joined when they, you know, um, we actually showed them what we did. They were, first of all, like very impressed by the fact that there was, you know, there's such a comprehensive uh, amount of mm-hmm. like uh, of um, uh, knowledge uh, and, and articles and uh, and just like, there's another a- aspect where you build this knowledge base in time. And so there's an accumulation of, of information that um, it's always available. So, you know, there are some, I don't know, uh, technical limits or questions or very specific things that you might ask yourself uh, at any point, um, but no matter what you're doing in the in, in tech company, that you're an engineer, that you're a product manager, that you're in support or success. And, you know, you will find them in uh, in your repository of information, which is the knowledge base in, in our case, you know, because we mm-hmm. built it in time and, you know, by continuously keeping up with it and 
you know, up, updating it and updating the screenshots that we use and updating, you know, all the material that we use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so at some point it sort of uh, sustain itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess you get you once it begins to show value for those other teams, particularly you get contribution and validation from those other teams as well. Exactly. So, so it doesn't become the sole remit of your support team to maintain it although they might be the primary owners of it it becomes uh, you get inputs from other places in the company other other people who have expertise um, absolutely yeah and i think i think one thing that um i'm super curious about is in those early days when you made the decision to bring back to life to resuscitate that old knowledge base and and to to begin again with uh, with this reincarnation of it which has clearly been very successful you took that initiative entirely in support did you have to um though effectively justify and evangelize about that initiative outside of support or did you just get going first what was your approach like when you decided it was a thing you wanted to do well I always um so working remotely for a long time um documentation is sort of like you know my my go-to place um because for asynchronous communication like i always work with a um a very consistent amount of, of documentation uh, and collaborative effort with people in different time zones for example so i always you know i was thinking in terms of like optimization rather than in terms of like scaling so i was thinking okay before i even consider uh, I don't know, hiring this many people. Uh, let me see what I can do in terms of deflection. Um, and I consider that that project. And so when you present it that way, uh, it's very appealing. Yes. Um, you know, because it, it's it's going to cost less. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's going to, to provide um, a, a fundament for the future. Yes, yeah, absolutely. What investment did you make early on? Was it did you need budgetary investment or did you just get going with, you know, a few hours and a couple of support staff in a darkened room or a darkened Zoom somewhere and just just kind of get going producing and, and collating knowledge? How did you get going? Well, it had to start with the with the project. Um and this is like also in the many reincarnation that that it that it, it took like there's uh, also mm. a designing uh, a design project involved like mm. rethinking it like uh, also you know bringing the bringing up the argument we want all pages in the website to be aligned in terms of design so i got mm. help from the design team initially those were like the very first people that helped me rethink it because you know i i sort of like bank on their their um you know uh, the inability to deal with the with the fact that there were pages that were not uh having the same design which is something that's <laughs> very annoying for a designer to like yeah. not accept that and so i sort of bank on that sentiment and i uh, uh, you know use in my favor <laughs> and <laughs> and uh you know uh, i got them to no but seriously i got them to help me out and there was a, a very fruitful um cooperation and and since then i always had um colleagues uh designers that you know jumped in and helped me rethink 
uh, everything from IUX perspective, which is also very important in, in, a, mm. in a knowledge base. Um, mm. And then after that, uh, after the project or like, what is this going to look like in terms of structure? Mm-hmm. Then it came the idea, okay, we need a full-time person to initially it was 50%. Um, but, we, you know, and then transition to be full-time that uh, works on the, on creating new content, but especially on maintaining the existing content. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say was the point at which um, the rest of the organization came to appreciate it then once it matured? Was Was it... You're obviously demonstrating already ticket deflection. You, you mentioned before that you definitely had these aha moments with other teams. Mm-hmm. What what was the de- were the defining factors in those aha moments different from team to team? Was it the the mm-hmm. mo- or, or was there just a general kind of there's a moment at which it, it becomes individually useful for that business function? Well, I would say um from my specific uh, situation, the support team was already part of uh, the product team. So we have visibility within that team um, mm-hmm. to begin with. But I would say this, that no matter how an organization is structured, to validate any support project, you need visibility. So what we need is that we, what we did is that we presented it uh, at an all end to the whole company. We presented the project and I presented the person behind the project. <laughs> which yeah. to that until that moment I was sort of like the only face of support and then I started to introduce these other characters so to speak like this, this <laughs> is the knowledge base manager that, that's yeah. you know and and gave her a gave her a voice and since and sort of like started this um process in which you know other people notice their existence and their value and then um sparked a, ideas from there you know how can we use this knowledge uh, this knowledge base for mm. all the projects and then the cooperation starts so so i i think the final thing then I, I i would like to think about is from from the other end of this experience having a mature knowledge base in place having had all of those aha moments, you know, given your knowledge base manager a voice, given, you know, the the early investment and that early playing on the feelings of your UX designer, having been through that entire experience, what what do you think is is the next step now for for knowledge? Uh, Is it it continued maintenance and that's all, like, it's just... uh, it's its own kind of, it has its own momentum it keeps going you don't need to do anything else or do you see it evolving beyond what it already is i think it, it really depends uh, on you know the organization i i heard some amazing things from um some teams that are using their knowledge base as um uh, for example like ux uh, tips uh on on uh, for onboarding mm-hmm. um you know or yeah, customer success using it also for onboarding. Um, so I, I think it, it really depends. On on my end, um, I think, you know, there's a continuous effort as you sort of like go step by step through maybe, I don't know, this depends. Like we uh, have our website in, in five different languages. So maybe this does not necessarily apply to everyone, but, you know, 
uh, updating. Uh, we, we have our knowledge base for now in, in two of those languages, but like we plan to expand to other languages, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's a big undertaking, but also um, there's an organic evolution to it that is, uh, I guess, uh, that uh, sort of aligns with the evolution of uh, the business and the direction the business is going into and the changes mm. uh, that, the, that the business sort of like goes through. So I think the attempt is to always be aligned. So rethinking this project, rethinking the structure of it, especially, it's, it's sort of like an exercise that you want to do, um, you know, uh, periodically, which is yeah. to sort of not stay in that silo. Mm, yeah, I, I think I think I, I truly believe that too, and I think some of the things that you touched on there around how it can initially support and then grow not necessarily to envelop but but to um bring like increasing uh support and uh an an, a larger platform to some other business functions particularly such as success and I think I think to me that's an obvious one like you talked about customer onboarding and uh and I think a lot of that can sit inside a knowledge base right and and I, I think I think that that is different from documentation. Fundamentally, I believe knowledge bases are not documentation, although I know that there are other organizations out there like GitLab for whom it is, it all, it, you know, it's, it's a single handbook. Everything sits in this concept of, you know, the knowledge is the document, right? So, um, but, but I do fundamentally think that for certain types of organizations, for certain types of, of customer short form, access to knowledge is different from documentation which is you know more of a reference material than a knowledge base really truly is um but 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 I definitely believe it can form part of customer onboarding I think that talks to something that that you were just saying as well which is that how it evolves depends on the direction of the business which I think is going to be driven largely by how the business wants those relationships with customers to develop yeah Exactly, exactly. And um, yeah, when I, what, what I mean with structure, you sort of like, I noticed that you, what you want to do and what you end up doing is mirroring the changes um, that come from the product, in my case. So, you know, for example, we're launching a beta, we're adding a beta category to the knowledge base. Mm. You know, it's very organic. You, you sort of like, uh, you know, you have these twins that interact, like your knowledge yeah. base is like a twin of the product. So as the product changes, you're adding a piece, you're taking away a piece. Like for example, you're you're adding a piece a category for the for the beta. The beta becomes the actual product. That category disappears and sort of like uh, you know emerges into um, the another you know uh, category that was there before. Um, and so this is very. Uh, it fluctuates uh, yeah you know it's not it's not very it should never be um static because when you have a static knowledge base is when it becomes outdated yes yes exactly and and i think something else that i truly fundamentally believe about knowledge bases is that they should be a hub for all of your knowledge 
in you know in the organization but that doesn't mean that every piece of knowledge has to sit as an article in support inside that knowledge base I think so customer onboarding materials for instance can be part of a a training program that you have mm-hmm. that as you onboard but but that you can reference that consistently if people could see me now they'd see me almost drawing spokes of a wheel that come out from a knowledge base right to different parts of your onboarding and to different parts of your documentation and to different parts of other institutional knowledge that your business puts out there maybe it's maybe it's articles on the website maybe it's the blog or whatever but there are there are these pieces of institutional knowledge and I think that the knowledge base can sit at the hub of all of that for your customers yeah, and you know, one I think one last point to Dutch, which is uh, could be very interesting to some people, is uh, you can have a data-driven approach to knowledge base, which is something that that we pay um, a good amount of attention to. Um, following which are your most viewed articles and which are the least viewed articles can inspire you to make choices and should inspire you to make choices and. Mm-hmm. Uh, where to position articles visually, uh, which ones to rework, which ones to maybe merge. Uh, all these choices, you you know, uh, if you have a good reference on views, if you are, if you choose to have a customer effort score or, or mm-hmm. any type of like uh, voting mechanism on the articles or comment um, can help you make inform those decisions. Mm, yeah, for sure. And and actually inform whether you elevate that knowledge outside of the knowledge base into other forums. So is this perfectly written, often often used how-to guide? Is this actually a missing missing piece of documentation? Yeah. Or if or is this worth writing a blog article about or creating a social element about? And I think I think that's that's where it becomes it that's where it becomes usable in so many different forms and those those as you rightly said are data-driven choices every single one of those choices can be driven by what your customers or your prospects are are looking for and looking at yeah absolutely thanks so much for joining me again Simone lovely to talk to you my pleasure That's it for today. Go to customersupportleaders.com forward slash 213 for the show notes and I'll see you next time.